yeah yeah no yeah. We're, we're raised in this yeah it's just this normalcy filter yes it's, it's it's it is it's engineered early on in our lives and mm -hmm. it's very firm you know and it, it definitely has its place you know it, yeah you know and it, it it's allowed the western world to flourish as it did of course you know mm -hmm. but and as we you know we're now in this as it's been said you know this iron age you know the kali yeah. yuga you know just right. um just it's just everything's just so material it's just the weight of materialism is starting to crush us i think as we can all sort of see the Casual Temple podcast and you're listening to episode number seven and I'm your host Marilyn Duffy. The Casual Temple is a place to discuss the many ways we are connected to the unseen world and how that empowers us to know our true selves. This week my guest is Ian Shelley who joins the podcast to discuss the book Demonic Reality by Patrick Harper which is a book that explains Harper's theories that we are living in and amongst daemons who are desperately trying to grab our attention to get us to remember who we really are. Ian is a fellow occult practitioner and esoteric book enthusiast, so he gives some wonderful book recommendations in our discussion. You'll also get to know what a ghost raccoon is, so you don't want to miss it. Thank you all for joining us here at the Casual Temple. Our guest today is Ian Shelley, who's a fellow magic practitioner who's exploring the left-hand path, and he's also a busy small business owner who's on the move existing here in Malkuth. Ian is joining me today to review and discuss the book Demonic Reality by Patrick Harper, which I will hold up the book without the dust cover because <laughs> none of us like that. Mine doesn't have it either. <laughs> yeah. No, I should grab it actually. Grab it. <laughs> if you want to grab it, that's cool. Mine also has lots of colorful tabs because I took many notes because it's an amazing book. So just so the audience is aware. Um, and I'll also point out if you read get the copy of the book um right there it says my name right on the you know right in there it's two i names, know just no, so what you is know that? Every, i forgot about it you know when i reread it this time yeah the show i forgot and i saw it again it was just a mm -hmm. surprising that's the yeah. first time actually a little more because uh, we had this connection but we were both going to talk about it so yeah yeah i don't know the explanation behind that but um i looked it's into it it's Oh, well, the explanation is not as good, is it? Right. I mean, um, no, it's I the mean, demonic it's... <laughs> interpretation, I say, would be is more fun. Yes. To, you know, it's to you. I agree. I okay. think it's to me. Yeah. It's really to his sister. Oh. I'm going to say it's yeah, to sister. Me. It's sister Marilee. Yes. Yeah. So I'm just going to call this right now to the listeners that this is, I guess it's like a casual book or casual temple book club <laughs> episode. So I'm just going to read the intro to Daemonic Reality for those who aren't familiar, a little synopsis. So Daemonic Reality, A Field Guide to the Other World by Patrick Harper was published in 1992. And it's in the same vein as Passport to Magonia by Jacques Vallée. Some of you might be familiar with that book. Um, that was published in 1969. Both authors are attempting to describe the overlapping Similarities of paranormal experiences, such as seeing the undead, ghosts, fairies, UFOs, aliens, etc. Where Valet's work was more of a catalog, Harper differs in offering more, like he has like really good writing skills and is a really good storyteller. I don't, personally, I don't feel Valet shares that. Okay. In my opinion. And so just uh, for the listeners and viewers, the book is separated into three sections, apparitions, visions and other world journeys so the working theory is the title of the book 
uh, that we are all living in daemonic reality all the time and that daemons are getting impatient for us to notice them. There it is. <laughs> so yeah. uh, what do you think, Ian? I'm happy that you wanted to chat about this, but what is your sort of take, overall take, I guess, on the book? Yeah, I uh, I enjoyed the book a lot the first time I read it. And mm-hmm. I've had this fun tour of going through books I started when I was closer to the first to the beginning of my practice or occult reading before I got largely addicted to all the books I have now when I was still fairly early on, you know, when we were mm-hmm. in the, when that uh, Foolish Fish server. Yeah. It was uh, recommended then. And the change in how I've interpreted it has um it's been pretty pronounced and just my understanding really and being able Mm -hmm. to accept multiple truths at the same time and it's basically being not being obsessed with explanations Mm. rational ones fully logical ones the Mm -hmm. the satisfying ones we've all grown up and almost come to feel uh entitled to and so i think a lot of apparitions you know patrick definitely agrees a lot of the things that events or apparitions that happen to people are direct results of our need to explain fully explain and grasp and be able to hold it, you know, and measure it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a, a lot of these events are just direct taunts to that, that reflex and getting over it has been uh, a long process and learning different magical systems like, you know, Kabbalah, the tree of life, tarot, having all this encyclopedic, uh, system, you know, working system in your head and mm-hmm. having and understanding it deeply. So where it just kind of operates on a subconscious level, it's taken a long time. <laughs> Relatively, I mean, I'm, you know, not that old, but you know, I've only been doing this for, I don't know, like four-ish years, something like yeah. that. But, you know, like the the changes in psyche, you know, I would say demonic psyche, mm. um, you know, developing it, has, you know, it just happens over time. It's not something you really notice. Right you know day to day or something you know it's not a linear progression it's just like it sort of happens by you know osmosis almost mm-hmm. and just a, a willingness a definite willingness to let go there's a definite letting go of you know concreteness where you just let the otherworldly aspects you know seep in and without you know this reflexive judgment that would mm. basically make them disappear right you know, the moment you try, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, you get these strong feelings or, you know, these presences. And then the moment you instantly try to explain it, it just disappears. Poof, you yep. know, <laughs> it just kind of goes. And so you have to try to, I mean, I, I think I'm always going to do it, but it's just recognizing it when it happens. And then, you know, feeling the, uh, feeling the interplay between the mm-hmm. two reflexes of, um, you know, the Apollonian you know, Apollo, you know, he's from afar, he's logical, you know, he's cold, you know, the, these West, you know, the Western mind, basically, you know, this, yeah. you know, the empirical need, the science, all that versus the more, you know, uh, Dionysian, uh, emotional, emotive, sensual, you know, demonic, you know, interpretation It's have being able to hold both those mindsets simultaneously, mm-hmm. I think. And, you know, demonic, reality none of this is really understandable with the apollonian mindset fully yeah and i think that's when that's the one i came in with first you know as i was still more unable to understand and so now the second time around it's been being able to hold two truths and being able to uh, experience it 
with Patrick has been very fulfilling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I liked it a lot the second time around. Yeah, I agree with that. I totally on board with sort of um, sort of being new and having the Apollonian mindset when I first read it. And then now just having crazy experiences and exactly what you said, like experiencing weird timelines and apparitions Mm -hmm. and the reality. And you're like, oh, (laughs) got it. Um, yeah it takes some definite you know it embodied so you gotta feel it. you have to feel it in your, yeah. yourself you know yeah. the embodiment the embodied experience is very important mm-hmm. and it's something that i probably haven't had as much you know um i don't get the uh you know as far as direct experiences you know if, what are my experiences like you know um i've always i've thought about uh i read the you know young well i read it in his red book but you know mm. it's his theory you know of uh integration you know of uh, parts of yourself that you know repress and then will crop up you know later you know crop up in your consciousness if you suppress them too long you know they'll right. go wild you know if, you know that sort of thing and he says like if you're decently integrated you're not going to really have these visions of, of things within yourself mm. and that's just that doesn't that, that's not as fun you know, because, you know, he, he describes this patient who would see, you know, like um, these orbs, you know, these light orbs mm. by her curtains floating. And it's just like, oh, these are externalized traumas or whatever. It's just kind of mm. like, yeah, but that's that's cool as well. She gets to see things. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't really I, I don't see things, not without um, chemical assistances, you know, or right. something <laughs> like that. You know, it's it's a, it's a more it's more deep intuitive sense that I've developed as far as for my own direct experiences, Mm -hmm. it's trusting intuition a lot. And it's maybe if I don't hear voices in my head, you know, like I keep waiting, you know, for the Holy guardian angel or the personal Damon to come in and talk to me. Mm -hmm. I, I might, I don't, you know, I haven't had that, but I definitely can sort of, think you know some voices in your head you know i think you know all the time and sometimes some of the voices seem more profound than others yeah you know learning to parse just you know your thoughts versus maybe some external thoughts coming Mm -hmm. in and you know maybe you know some inspirations of some kind right that aren't directly yours is trying to be able to figure out which is which and Mm -hmm. so it's been a bit more of a, a a passive experience and I guess I would love to be trying the more uh, ceremonial, Solomonic, you know, conjurations and stuff, but it's a, it's a space issue, <laughs> right? And it's a, <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's it, it, practicality, but you know, I'm also just kind of t- lying about, you know, I could do it if I really wanted to. Yeah. It's definitely fear aspects, but you know, it's something I would be interested in. But uh, managing expectations also, mm. I think, has been very important because if you come in with a certain mindset, especially with pop culture and stuff with what you can do, you know, especially like I said, with Solomonic conjurations, you know, you do everything and you expect to see the demon sitting in a triangle, you know, it's, it's not, he's not going to be squatting there like an ape, you know, it's, it's going to be something, you know, you have to do it over and over again to work yourself into a bit of a frenzy. You know, maybe you don't eat that day, you know, you you kind of get yourself into a state, but, um, as far as, uh, yeah, I can't keep going back to that, but personal experience has just been, um, it's been mostly with uh, keeping consistent, uh, as consistent as I can yeah. practice. And that's a challenge. <laughs> but yeah. we'll get into that later. Yeah. 
for sure. That's funny that you were mentioning the Solomonic uh, limitations of space because most of the recommendations mm-hmm. is not to do it in your house. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. There yeah. you go. Well, yeah. I mean, I could, yeah, I could do it outside. I've got some space. I could imagine yeah. doing it in I like, a place I like to give offerings to and outside, mm. you know, a place like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it's also intimidating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a little like, uh, I'll work up to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I need to, I, I, it sounds exciting. So I know that in our sort of like a little bit of pre-chat that we did in Discord, we talked, you mentioned the soul world and the anima mundi. Um, Yes. Yeah. Can you, like, I have Patrick Harper's sort of definition of it, but do you, do you have a good handle on that yourself that you want to share? Yeah. Keep moving up. Sorry. sorry. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So um, I oftentimes when I try to think of how I define things, I, keep getting I just think of the author of who I learned it from a lot of the time I get a lot of it's not imposter syndrome because I'm not pretending to be anything you know particularly you know it's like but it's something like imposter syndrome where it's like is any of this knowledge you know it's just it's just stuff I I read and I can just regurgitate so it's like how much do I I actually understand but Mm -hmm. that's just Something, but I can give my definition. I just think, I can always just think of who I've learned this stuff from. Yeah, and I wonder how much of it. But uh, yeah, so the uh, I'm just gonna go right in with Jung. It's a collective unconscious. It's, uh, psychologically, I think it's the easiest way. I think the easiest way to explain it, you know, is some loose psychological aspects, especially for I guess most people. I guess not familiar with uh, some more esoteric stuff. So. Um, it's uh yeah the collective unconscious it was you know it's the also known as the soul of the world mm-hmm. it's this um it's uh it's not formless but it's of infinite form and it's uh you know that's uh, people also refer to it as you know the black dragon the demiurgic mass that's what i've been also getting into the <laughs> inscrutable completely inscrutable black dragon series by andrew not andrew oh. Chumley, uh, peter hamilton giles is, uh, is stuff I've been struggling to grasp. I've been trying to apply to it to with this sort of. Um, it's the yeah, so it's I'm sorry, collective unconscious. It's uh, it's where the archetypes live. You know, it's where right. the I'm again also getting into Austin Osmond Spare. It's the it's the sea of it's where the primordial ids live. It's where the you know these pri- you know these primal drives of hunger, you know, sex, you know, even shelter. They you know it's um. It's where all these desires come from mm-hmm. and they sort of, they get to express themselves through us or through, you know, any creature really, but that's, they get to experience, experience through limitation, you know? So in the, in the soul, you know, in the, you know, in the collective unconscious, it's just it exists as is without time. And it needs to go within time to be embodied in order to experience Mm-hmm. And so I think that's how sort of the interplay between the unconscious world and consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, very hard to define. <laughs> it is hard to define. Like it is because I agree with that. The way, the way Patrick Harper did it, because I'm very much about like, I got to put things in. I know this is the la- logic Apollonian thing, but I'm like, I, I got to, I got to be able to do both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's so hard. I it's know. super hard. So he, so he kind of puts it in these, I think of things of like, as in containers, right? He's basically like yes. the human soul, uh, 
so he's his explanation is the soul world or anima mundi is where the human soul is mediated between the spirit and the body. So it's kind of saying that there's more souls for you. There's more forms of you that are sort of like existing. Um, And so that's kind of where where that's at. And that is also like, if if I'm thinking about like containers, like the, you know, the collective unconscious is basically like one container that we're all a part of, or like something that we can tap into exactly what you were saying. Yeah. But then you said, and then you mentioned, and now I'm like, ugh, I'm going to have to take notes about the book you mentioned. So you said the black dragon. Is that like a no- talking about gnosticism? Is that what that's going uh, into? Yeah. Well, it's, um, it's about uh, exploring non-being through mm. just basically, it's exploring non-being, you mm. know, and the only way we can explore it is with words and, you know, experience or whatever. So that's, it's mm. sort of how... It's or it's the interplay between being and non-being. It's a way of interacting with the formless, the formless and formful void, mm. and it's uh, and it's explored through the you know archetypal image of of a dragon of the black dragon, which carries a lot of you know biblical implications. And it's very mm. strong archetypal imagery used to explore these ideas, and it's got <laughs> a long tradition with um you know, that extremely expensive Black Dragon book I've, I've always been chasing on eBay, the Andrew Chumbly, yeah. along with the Exosha. You know, um, it's a long explored tradition, I guess, you know, of um, the old company of cunning folk, you know, in the Dragon's mm. Column, I guess, you know, over in England. It's uh, I'm, the the tradition, I, you know, it's, it's a sort of, um, tr- it's, it feels like, you know, it's a current of witchcraft, you know, of cunning folk witchcraft, which is... Um, you know, they're trying to either revive or, you know, continue the, tra- you know, this tradition. Mm-hmm. It's very inscrutable <laughs> from the outside. But, um, and so, yeah, the Black Dragon, uh, just this, it's about, you could basically call them the collective unconscious. Hmm. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a form of that, you know, of carrying all forms within itself, but none at the same time, you know, both wow. with and without form. Cool. Yeah, it seems like it's a good companion to this particular book. So now I'm like, I, I gotta figure out how to get my copy and read it. That's yeah. So cool. what was what's been actually helping with this one is uh, <laughs> uh, is uh, Frater Ocker's uh, works, his goetic works. I find you know his his um, interactions with this you know with this sort of um, material, you know, demonic as he does with Holy Damon. Yeah. In his series. You know, he's, I think he's a very good, um, his material is very good to work with as well in accompaniment with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure I have one of his books I have not started yet. Of course, I read Holy Damon and then yeah. like his latest book, but yeah, I got to finish out that series. Holy Heretics. Yeah. Holy Heretics. Yeah. Yeah. I guess we'll just kind of get into sort of the personal aspect for you and you know Mm -hmm. so as an occult and magic practitioner have you had your own experience personal experiences with either your own personal daemon or just daemonic reality in particular if you'd like to share yeah a phrase i've come to uh, it's it's, i've crystallized it is uh is the ghost raccoon and it's something i think of frequently as just way to um keep my reality reality tunnel as you know keep my um my apollony reflex you know a little loose is that you know when i was if i was at a time you know 
when I was driving, you could be just driving past a, a street, you know, at night, you just pass a street and you look down it, you glance down it as you drive by it, you know, and you just see this, you see a raccoon, you know, and that raccoon's real to you. Could be just a plastic bag. Could be not real at all. Mm-hmm. But the point is that that raccoon, but that ra- raccoon exists for you as real as anything else, especially for your memory. You drove by a raccoon. That raccoon exists as far as it's free, especially if you start telling people about it, then that's real to a bunch of other people too. Hmm. So it's just like, you know, it's a, you know, a version of the game of telephone basically where, yeah. and it becomes accepted. It becomes accepted that that raccoon existed for me, you know, people. And that's, you know, it's a, so I just think it keeps, you know, so I think of it as a ghost because it does, you know, very well didn't exist at all, but you can't be sure. Right. And so it's just uh, both being able to <laughs> live in both worlds and mm-hmm. accept, you know, both possibilities. But um, that's as far as, you know, as demonic reality is just being able to not live in a Euclidean world of just, you know, living on a plane with a plate going from place to place. You know, I think of, you know, life is a, is a series of experiences in embodied stories, mm-hmm. you know, so like every, every trip, you know, every, you know, with my job and we go down across the state to, you know, do my craft, you know, serve the you know, kettle corn and all, you know, the traveling, you know, it, it's, um, it's, you know, you kind of feel like, um, uh, you know, traveling with Mercury on his chariot, you know, down along the highways, you know, you sort of romanticize the experiences you know, I don't really, you know, interstates and travel becomes a form of time travel because mm-hmm. you don't really, you're not consciously, act, you know, you're not consciously aware of that time often when you travel down it. And that leads into the um, UFO discussion, actually, <laughs> about lost time. Yeah. And it was actually how I was able to most um, easily grasp, you know, a lot of these experiences people have that Patrick talks about. Mm-hmm. You know, about um, people, a lot of times people when they're driving, it's about, you know, a lot of this lost time That's right. aspect, which we can all relate to, mm-hmm. you know, just feeling where you just kind of snap to and realize I haven't been paying attention for the for past 15 minutes. I don't know what's happened, but I'm safe, you know, and it's, you know, and it's, but and time goes on. Mm-hmm. And so it's those experiences, so like um, exploring those times where you're in these liminal areas, like the roads, you know, especially yeah. traveling, especially at night, where your consciousness is in a is in a liminal place as well, yeah. where these events can happen. And so you know, hearing about the stuff where you could just sort of, where they just find themselves further down the road with this lost time in their heads, and then later on they'll get the um, hypnotherapy to figure out exactly what happened. And they'll find all these crazy, wacky stories, you know, about UFOs and finding, you know, about what goes on in it. And, you know, the question is, did this happen? You know, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he talks about it as like, well, he talks about the mechanics of what's happening. He says it's like you're hypnotized, right? You're basically hypnotized driving, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah, of enter that flow state, mm-hmm. sort of. It's, yeah. So I guess if you go into that, Hip, you know, when they he tells stories about when people visit hypnotherapists to figure out what happened during these supposed abductions, they come yeah. up with these rich stories. You know, so Patrick's explanations, uh, you know, that he says, you know, that these stories come from the collective unconscious about these, you know, archetypes. It's about 
you know, oftentimes with UFOs, it's about what's foreign or about what's different or, you know, like uh, in the fifties, you know, it was about these beautiful beings, these beautiful luminous robes beings. And in the sixties, uh, as our fear of technology grew, they started to become these technology, you know, um, centered beings, you know, the mm-hmm. little green, you know, little gray men focused on, you know, exploration of our bodies, you know, with science and stuff. It's a definite, you can tell it, if you accept the premise that these, you know, UFOs change according to our cultural fears or, you know, or embodied, you know, yeah. Embodied fears. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I didn't think of it in that logical of a pattern that you just put, put in. It made me think about how recently in ufology, like some of the, some of the discussions I've heard about what the grays are and I uh, is one that I heard that was really cool. Like somebody talked about his uh, gray abduction experience, but he felt like the grays weren't, were being like, how do you, how did he explain it? Like the actual, it's like a suit, but it's being remote, like controlled far, far away by like a consciousness. And I was like, Whoa, that's totally oh. crazy. Um, yeah. And then probably the other explanation that I've heard recently, and you probably have also heard this, is like, oh, they're just like future humans, right, coming back, um, and we're all like weird. Yeah, looking. I saw Interstellar. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I saw that movie. Um, yeah, but I think like in the progression of how you laid it out, it's like, yeah, those are sort of our fears, right? That <laughs> that we're going to become some sort of weird sexless, yeah, thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a very, yeah, the, the different forms they take. And it's, mm-hmm. I like it, you know, speculating, well, what's, what's next thing? Because I feel like the, you know, the alien archetype's been going for a while. Yeah. Uh, it'd be, it'd be, you know, because they sort of follows the, uh, between what, um, first, uh, you know, they seems to come from below, you know, as demons mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, devils, because that's what people determine to be, well, before it was just the underworld and now our underworld is kind of is 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 out of space yeah and so they you know that's what they instead of coming from below they now come from above so it'll be interesting to see if there's a different place they can come from next Hmm. well it's probably i think the different the next place is you and i are probably familiar with like inner dimensions and things like that but i think the public at large I i was thinking that yeah yeah is becoming more accepting of under of that, and so we're probably hearing more around uh, interdimensional beings from like I don't want to put put this in any sort, like a negative connotation, but like regular people, right, who are having experiences. Yeah, yeah, yep. I mean, so, I mean, psychedelics is what's letting us all do it. Really, it's mm-hmm. um, that's true. This, this new this new age of acceptability with psychedelics is definitely. Um, opening up some minds and uh, mm-hmm. accepting some realities yeah as well so we t- i asked you about your own sort of personal experience with daemons do you know of anybody connected to you personally i mean you don't have to share names or anything like that but that has had like yeah. an experience that they relayed um <laughs> you know i i don't i can't say i have okay. not to, uh, nothing Nothing profound. I mean, I, there's probably a lot of stories that just kind of fade into the background. Yeah. Which is a kind of an aspect of them is that the only way we can sort of carry on and 
sane in you know in uh, this reality if it if so if it is true that you know all these crazy apparitions and happenings can happen is that you know we just sort of have this filtering technique of our memory where mm. crazy things can happen but we have this sort of just normalcy filter yeah where your brain just kind of smooths it over yep like, and nope. just uh <laughs> Yeah, and you just kind of, well, it's all, it's the Apollonian reflex as well, where you just kind of like, even if you can't think of the explanation, just kind of like, you trust that there is one. Right. Just kind of, you know, like, even if I can't think of it, it's just like, well, it's probably swamp gas, because swamp gas <laughs> is a thing. Yeah. You know, I've always heard that, you know, for you, swamp gas, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, okay, yeah, it's swamp gas. Yeah, but um, as oh, far man. as you know lots of ghost stories of course i think mm. lots of local legends as well i can yeah. think of yeah definitely lots of you know local you know, urban legends which patrick loves covering as well yeah you know, they, you know their their demonic nature urban mm-hmm. legends you know along with hoaxes you know that, that they they all share in this same phenomenon Right, you know things. Even if people are fake, even if people are faking them, that comes from somewhere. And so, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I found that interesting as well. Yeah, but um, so what I was going to relay with that is my own personal experience in my family. So my mother is Filipino, and so she would tell me uh, this story of her her grandmother. Her name was Dionisha, and her she would tell me, "Oh yeah, my grandmother would warn all of us." Like the whole family, do not go into that bamboo forest without asking me first. And then they were like, okay. <laughs> and then, um, of course, an, a great uncle or an uncle of mine goes into the forest without asking Grandma Dionysia first. And he breaks his leg, right? Goes into the forest, breaks his leg. Yeah. And then so mm-hmm. she was like, damn it. And then he gets sick too. He gets like violently sick. So Grandma Dionysia, of course, like, cusses him out about going to the forest she knew yes right and then so she had to go with like a pile like of food and offerings and go into the forest and she had to talk for hours into that forest to like get to heal her son i guess and it worked (laughs) apparently according to my mom yeah yeah wow so i always think about that because in the philippines right sort of in this apollonian dionysian context that we're talking about like cultures like that they're more connected to more of the emotional side of things more imaginative right um and so something that for me growing up as in in the american culture i always thought like oh it was like something it was it felt naive to me right like oh so naive and so like oh they just don't not cool um yeah yeah no we're we're raised in this yeah just this normalcy filter is yes. just, it's it's it is it's engineered early on in our lives and it's mm-hmm. very firm you know and it, it definitely has its place you know it, yeah. it, it it's allowed the western world to flourish as it did of course you know mm-hmm. but and as we you know we're now in this as it's been said you know this iron age you know the kali yeah. yuga you know just right. um just it's just everything's just so material it's just the weight of materialism is starting to crush us, I think, as we can all sort of see mm-hmm. as uh, at least we have been, you know, this yeah. new age, you know, with psychedelics or whatever, if we, um, and if you follow a more polemic paradigm of mm-hmm. aeons, you know, this is of the past aeon and the current and the, the new aeon of where we're going to be thinking differently now, where it's mm-hmm. going to be 
the way I see it anyways, I should just be saying how I, my interpretation of the procession of the aeons of Aleister Crowley, yeah. you know, as he said, is that, you know, as we are, as we move into it, it's an age of um, existing more on the astral plane. Mm. And it, with that comes a, a lot of problems. I think, you know, social media is the creation of and the, and it's and the progression of how social media has affected us mm. is is a symptom of us living more on the astral it you know it allows us to exist as entire as entire you know separate personas for some people you know online it's allowed entire existences online for people to have you know it enables stuff like this of course yeah. and with it comes a, a lot less stability you know, within mm-hmm. the collective unconscious, especially a lot of, you know, as we are going through a lot of turmoil, a lot of change, as we sort of have a more mute, as a more, uh, as consciousness and reality around us becomes a bit more mutable. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's gonna, we're like, you know, we're like children, you know, we're the child god, Harpocrat, you know, it's, we're trying to find our way now. And it's, it's, it's messy, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's how we're trying to find our way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh man, you just drew like a really good line from Alistair Crowley and the Aeon to to social media and the astral realm. That was good. I don't. I, I try. That. I yeah. I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I I ramble a lot, but I try to get some get get some gems out of me. That's... No, I followed it. It was great. Now I'm gonna have to chew on that too. Yeah. Um, cool. Good. Right. Yeah. We did talk about. We did touch on UFOs. I don't, I'm just going to ask if you personally have ever had sort of an experience with either. Yeah. Oh, you have? Let's hear it. Yeah. Well, actually, it's, it's just something I've been, cha- I've been obsessed with. It's, it's, it's a thought I've been obsessed with having. Whenever I read about these, uh, all of the events Patrick talks about in the book, they all feel like something I've experienced. Hmm. It's not that I have. It's just that it seems to meld so perfectly into my own memory where it's like when you relays these stories, it's kind of, I just accept them, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, yep, that I can see that happening. I mean, like even the really weird ones when like the ship looks like the inside of it looks like stone and he hands some pancakes, you know, it's just like, I can feel the dreamlike aspects of that, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of, I guess not un- uncanny, but it seems to follow uncanniness seems to follow dreamlike liminal. They all seem to come out, you know, all those words seem to seem to follow, but I can instantly relate to them. And right. so it just be, it just seems really true that these events come from something that we all are connected to, you know, these, these um, images, archetypes, ids, you know, mm-hmm. they, they change with our cultural filter, you know, as things change, but they, are, they're always the same. And so when, no matter what he's describing, whatever happens, there's a lot of different events, but I can just, I can see it. I can, I can really feel it. I, I accept it, mm-hmm. you know, from the, uh, from the Celtic fairy forts to the, you know, these, uh, to the crazy abductions. They just seem like things that I can believe, not believe happened because the thing, that's the question. Did, this, mm-hmm. did these things actually happen? They, they sort of did. They, they did right. like stories, like, like a story happened. Did Star Wars happen? You know, like that's, like that sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. a, these, they happen, but uh, I think, Especially with the, um, I guess we're all having UFO experiences. That's true. Right now, <laughs> I guess I should, you know, um, <laughs> it's 
And I don't know about you, but hearing about them, I have little interests. Like when it came to the hearings and stuff about, you know, this guy, it's, I'm kind of like, uh, it's cynical and edgy, but it's just like, whoa, what are they trying to distract us from right now with yep. these stories? It's just like, and that's probably the case. I don't know, but it's mm-hmm. I, because they're, we're not going to hear about it from in a Congress here, you know, like, but I'm very interested, but these things, regardless, I think, you know, there's still a lot of evidence of what, of these events happening, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, military footage and stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I reflexively want to ex- explore the logical explanations of, you know, the Tic Tacs and, and right. things, but, but the, I, uh, the truth is that you know, I, I don't, that I think is that, you know, the, it can't be explained, not rationally, not, you know, like the crop circles. Right. You know, or UFOs. It's just that it's the, it's, it's, um, it's a direct, it, yeah. Okay. I said, um, I always chew on them as well. Yeah. You know, I chew on the idea of crop circles a lot. Cause uh, it's just something that if you accept they, they existed, you know, the pictures in the book, you know, if you accept that those happened, mm-hmm. you know, that they were a thing that, appeared on on fields you know and like you just try to explain to yourself how did those happen mm-hmm. they're perfect you know the uh they tried to do experiments you know with science you know like scientists tried to replicate them and they couldn't not with the precision that they appeared with right and so you're in you're forever going to be trying to explain that rationally and you know like i said science is forever going to be you know coming up with theories that explain like you know 80 percent of it Mm-hmm. It, you know, it sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. Plasma vortices, <laughs> sure. you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like, that can happen. I've seen dust devils. You know, I've seen mm-hmm. wind happen. I've seen, you know, uh, flash fires happen. So, you know, something combining the two could, ha- you know, like maybe plasma vortices, you know, something. And we and it's just something that we can just comfortably sit with. And it's like, and science can just let that go. But yeah. if, uh, and, that, and, then the, and then the normalcy filter kicks in. And then we all just sort of collectively uh, relegate crop circles to just sort of fiction. You know, I think a lot of people just think that they're like this fun idea or urban legends. You know, I mm-hmm. think a lot of people would be shocked to see pictures of crop circles, like as they were reported when yeah. they happened. I think a lot of us just, you know, we just kind of accept them as possible fiction. And uh, that's where it's just sort of going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think a lot about best crop circle specifically was when Patrick explained, you know, brought in Hermes yeah. and his role with um, Apollo, you know, the, the legend that you know, when Hermes was a newborn, he, he swipped, he swapped all the uh, heads of he's like, he swapped the ends of the cattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, a, yeah. He basically mutilated all of um, Apollo's immortal cat, you know, right. cow, calves uh, just as a random prank. And so I just sort of apply that, to, you know, it's just sort of, it's a, it's a taunt, mm-hmm. you know, it's, you know, like these, these events, you know, UFOs and crop circles, you know, Patrick ex- puts them on a continuum, mm-hmm. you know, they, of, um, between relinks plasma vortices to UFOs to fairies as, and then to, oh, what was the other one? Yeah, I can see the diagram. Yeah, where it links 
all the phenomena mm-hmm. sort of, uh, between plasma vortices, you know, as a scientific explanation of crop circles, to UFOs, to fairies, and then whirlwinds. And it sort of links them across a continuum that sort of changes bases based on your cultural understandings or context, basically. For them to, to all be, it's, he uh, does give a nice little tidy bow around linking phenomena together. That's kind of what I like in that mm-hmm. you can't explain it all together, but I really like his idea that it all exists, you know, as a, on a continuum as the same thing, but just what we see can vary. Right. And that, but it, it, it's all coming from the sort of, it's the taunt of Hermes, you know, of uh, a reflexive need to explain and just that and we, that we can't. Right. But we will also be able to forget that fact and just kind of move on and live live day to day. Accepting both those realities is uh, is that's what I think daemonic reality is because living fully in daemonic reality is just would just be in, being insane. Yes. So you need to be able to function as well. And I've always kind of thought of this sort of uh, mindset as well. It's just a sort of controlled insanity where you just mm-hmm. where you allow for crazy things but live in a rational world yeah i mean it makes it more interesting kind of i mean you're the example um that you're talking about with like hermes and and apollo's cattle it's like but why hermes he's like uh exactly yeah (laughs) exactly yeah yeah he's he's a baby he was a baby at the time yeah exactly he had he had it was pure reflex you know and this Mm -hmm. it's just yeah the you know exactly why and you know that leads and that's sounds exactly like the other chupacabra yeah and i know sort of you know i had in our chat i had mentioned um sort of freddie silva and he talks a lot about the crop circles and so the the reason i thought it was he's interesting is because he talks more around people's experiences right like that's the evidence like right like he'll he'll have he has these examples of people seeing like steam rising from a field and they yeah. go and look and then there's a crop circle like there wasn't one there before but now yeah. there's a crop and so like you have to do you believe somebody's story or do you not you know like <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that yeah i because um i always i've had this phrase in my head for a bit well, that um, mm-hmm. memories are demonic mm. every time you recall you know a memory you know as they say ever everyone loves this little factoid you know and you every time you remember a, mem- a memory something's different you change something something's different you know it's kind of right. like you're you're recalling the recall of mm-hmm. the memory and so and how much of our identity is based on memory you know it's kind of you know people there's arguments that if you wipe someone's memory you kill them effectively mm-hmm. you know and to and for that to be so important and to be very demonic at the same time it's just to show that we are we're well like Di- like daemons we're both mm-hmm. you know we partake of both worlds right and so it's important i think to constantly acknowledge that and it helps to live that way as well mm-hmm. kind of letting go of the need for explanation has been very helpful for me in my own life i must say yeah so i'm kind of reaching back to the earlier part of our discussion because you talked about mentioning well because i know you are studying the kabbalah or have been studying the kabbalah or have in your past and i have 
that's kind of a current obsession with mine as well. So how do you square, and you probably already answered this because you're talking about living in both of these understandings, but how do you square? Because like basically the Kabbalah is like, you want an explanation for reality and consciousness and what's going on? Here you go. Right. Like it's, it's constantly laid out. I love it. You know, I, know, I, I, I gotta too. say it's, it's yeah. as far as chewing on things. Yeah. I'll yeah. just fall asleep. Just, mm-hmm. you know, like all of it, you know, yeah. all of the, <laughs> it's really satisfying. Um, yeah. So how do you do, you, how do you, cause I have trouble with this recently, like squaring, Cause I don't want to fall into this trap of like, everything is the Kabbalah, which sometimes I'm like, everything is the Kabbalah, right? I mean, I think as you learn it, you're just going to, yeah, yeah. it's just something you just, it's the way you live for a while. And then it just mm. sort of settles in and it just becomes oh, okay. a bit more background. It becomes a bit more background because, gotcha. or it's something I can just sort of think of if I want to, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah. But I definitely remember, you know, you're just. Because you're also struggling. You're trying to learn it and recall it well. You know, yeah. Like, do I remember it all? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you remember all of the Kabbalah? Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Before... It's like, oh, you like the Kabbalah? You like the Kabbalah? <laughs> list all of the, list all the paths. Yeah. yeah. List the paths. List all the different worlds. List how the, the like, yeah. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it seeps in over time. Yeah. It really does, especially because it just helps you learn. I mean, you could learn it solely with just tarot, just, oh, learning, yeah. you know, just how tarot works. You can, that's, that's largely how I did it. You know, it's, it, uh, what I like is how, uh, is how it's all linked. Mm-hmm. So you sort of learn everything with everything else. It's like, I'm not, I'm not huge on astrology, but right. I, just, I know it. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, 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 I never, I never, I never even made a point to learn it, but it's just like mm-hmm. I learn passively just yep. through the needs of mostly tarot. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, um, I didn't intend on learning Hebrew, but guess what? It's kind of happening. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I know all the numbers. You know, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's something that just happens passively. And that's just mm-hmm. sort of, uh, like I said, in the very beginning, you know, just building that, con- you know, that site, you know, that consciousness, the magical consciousness mm-hmm. you know, that can sort of, and that very well accepts uh, a demonic one as well. I'd argue they're pretty much the same, probably. Yeah. So again, sort of reaching back, because you mentioned you know, at least in jump, a cult. Jump around. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, I You mentioned so many great things. I'm trying to like, wanting to talk about them. Uh, we talked about like the hot topic, or I think it's always a hot topic is like the HGA, right? The Holy Guardian yes. Angel in the occult, yeah. in, our, in the occult world, um, in certain yeah. systems. Like, how do you, how do you think about that? In how do you think about it? Like, what do you, in, in relation to sort of this daemon, daemon, daemonic yeah. reality? Yeah. Um, I, as far as, you know, the terms being very similar, because uh, mm-hmm. I think you could argue, you know, that um, the daemonic reality Patrick Harper describes is not the same as the holy daemon from, right. you know, Fr- Franerachar. But um, the daemonic aspects, you know, I think very well i think applies to the holy guard in 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 that it's you know partakes of both you know of it being Mm. from you know above and below you know as far as kabbalah you know the holy garden angel is right in the middle and tippereth so he's able to go both up and down you know sort of as you know as as our higher self as they say Mm -hmm. um as far as you know personal experiences with my own um you know, I think there's there's that voice 
that exists, but I think mostly it's just intuition really. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think it's just the contact that I have had is mostly just telling me to meditate. <laughs> that's it. And I accept that and I know right. it's true. Yeah. And so, and that's always my advice to anyone really. <laughs> it's just, you need, it's, it's the, it's what people, I, I think it's not, it's what I don't want to hear. Yeah, as well, which is, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, but it, that's why, that's why you need to do it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's precisely why. And it's been the most helpful thing. And so I, that's, I continue to listen to my holy guardian angel. Eventually, maybe you'll say something different, but mm-hmm. I'm fine with just meditating because I know it's what I need to do. And I think yeah. that we'd all be better for it. I'm sorry to say, it's, <laughs> you know, is there a shortcut? You know, there's no gallery of magic sigil of meditation or, you know, yeah, I um yeah, I think any geez, any sort of anything is like you probably just need to meditate and nobody wants to hear it because meditation is the opposite of what we have been learning to do our entire lives. Meaning yeah. like everybody, you know, as soon as I, I'll say as soon as you're like 18, everybody's like, go, go, go. You have all these things you gotta check off the list, you gotta make sure because you're gonna you gotta yeah. be a certain type of person. And then, uh, so you're just running basically. And then now somebody's like, no, you just have to sit with your thoughts for like 30 minutes. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. And then it's, um, cause I do some healing work with some clients right now and they're like, well, how do I listen to my guides? I'm like, you're not pretty much what you just said. You're not going to like to hear this, but you're going to need to meditate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, because you need to parse out the different messages that are in your head, other people's messages, the messages you've been telling yourself, get that all out of there. And then you'll yeah. notice when the, the other thing comes in. Yeah, I mean, well, that's, I find that step two, step one is just realizing <laughs> that you're not your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's first of all, being like, yeah, realizing that there's something beside, you know, like, that's, that was a big for me and just Mm -hmm. center and yeah the centering with the little flame in the void has been Mm. very good you know i think you know i really like that method i think that joseph josephine talks about that method in her practice yeah and frater rocker i know oh frater rocker does too they're links too i know oh yeah i forgot i think he helped write queria with her or something like that they work together yes yeah um, well, cool. Let's see. I have, okay. So we c- talked about the HTA. I'm going to kind of roll into, uh, your thoughts on initiation rights, because I yeah. personally feel like that is a huge piece for de- demonic reality. So I'll just leave it there. My question. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, so I wrote for initiation. I, I, I found that they are used to usually break someone out of, um, what I, I'm actually let's let's back up because uh, right now I'm reading what uh, Prometheus Rising by Robert Hanson Wilson, mm. and it's about you know it's a lot about to do with psychology and these sort of somewhat links with uh, the esoteric authors of the past, the famous ones you know of um, the there's a forward by Israel Regardi mm. um, in it, but he um, he talks about reality tunnels and they're basically uh a series of you know, a set of axioms you know these sort of um 
ways we interact with and live in the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's just sort of these automatic truths you accept, you know, as far as, far as axioms are, you know, that, that you know, of um, basically we live in a pretty Western reality tunnel, as they say, you mm-hmm. know, this Apollonian, Apollonian reality tunnel. It's just a fun way to sort of, uh, ex- you know, um, explain people, you know, explain different points of view and stuff, you know, like I'm not from their reality tunnel. You can sort of use a way to contextualize different points of view and uh, initiation rites are usually used to break someone out of their conventional reality tunnel and just to allow the mind to um, sort of be able to operate on the higher, the higher levels needed for whatever organization is doing these initiation rites for. It's just a way mm-hmm. to prime the mind to be able to usually accept these systems that they're going to be learning and, and stuff sort of gets rid of that norm, normalcy filter a bit helps loosen it mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes because there, a lot of times it, trying to recreate these profound archetypal experiences you know like um the illusion mysteries you know they said they uh reenacted persephone being captured by zeus and taken to the underworld where they take the role of persephone and experience the underworld and then they get to come back up and take that knowledge with them you know it was very important apparently you know everyone who's who in ancient greece did it and so it's um I sort of think um, as an example, it's uh, initiation would be this way to, if you take an ant, you know, that lives in a largely two dimensional world, you know, it can't go up really. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I know they go, I know they go down, but they, you know, they operate two dimensionally as you can imagine, you know, imagine it's just on, on the floor, you know, if you could initiate that ant into not if, if into knowing that there's an above to it, is that, mm-hmm. that, the way up the z-axis exists would basically be it would be initiating that ant so that's the easy definition i think it would be be able to just be aware of a reality even if you Mm. can't access it it's just you know just um a way to make you especially into to feel that and to experience it directly because that's the initiations you know is something that stays with you Mm mm-hmm so, you know, it's a sort of visceral experience where you've kind of like, I know there's more instead of just kind of being like, I'm reading about it. You know, I'm hoping there's more, you know, yeah. it's just it's kind of that imposter syndrome as well. You know, it's like, have I been initiated? It's right. Like, I've read enough. I think it's been passively happened. I've read enough books. Yeah. You know, I feel initiated. Uh, common examples. You know, I think a lot of, you know, like um, near-death experiences mm. can initiate a lot of people. Uh, born-again mm-hmm. Christians, I would say, are initiated. You know, yeah, they're initiated because they, they, you know, often you find them to be the most, um, the most Christian, you know, they, 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 the most, um, fervent Christians, you know, you know, often born again, because they, you know, it seems to be, um, usually come, it often comes from near death experiences. Mm. And then that can, it can it even just be something like movies as well. Yeah. Or any pop culture. A lot of, you know, that's why art exists a lot of times. You could argue you you know as a way of initiating the mind to different possibilities or emotions even Mm -hmm. yeah i could definitely say because i thinking about initiations across just just the western world in general like we've gotten rid of so many except if you're like even you know because i always think about you know, we grew up in America, so we were kind of taught or learned about Native Americans and how, you know, if you were a, at least a Native American boy of a certain tribe, you would 
they yeah. give you a knife and send you out into the woods and like figure it out for a few days or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we don't really have that. We don't really have that for, well, for men and boys in particular. I mean, women, we go through obviously our own biological initiation that happens um, when you're a teenager. Yeah. Teenagers, but we've kind of gotten yeah. rid of a lot of initiations as a society. And then yeah. um, added on to what you're, you're talking about um, in your description about people like spiritually being initiated back, right? Because you're, you mm-hmm. lived your Apollonian, your materialistic world, but guess what? You know, death is, <laughs> death is <laughs> coming, coming soon. So you're yep. kind of need to be reinitiated back into the spiritual, but we're, you know, and that's sort of what I believe is happening for a lot of people who are experiencing demonic realities, NDEs, alien, like they're, they're sort of being primed to be guides, you know, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, they they instantly become guides, like, the moment mm-hmm. they choose to share these stories. Yeah. You know, because um, often the stories seem to persist through the the conviction of the person who originally tells the story, and then whoever gets told and then also propagates it, the conviction that it was true and it happened. Right. You know, like, that is a sort of, it's, it's intangible, obviously, but it, it carries through. I think it definitely adds to, it's definitely the reason why some persist and some don't because mm. you know i think you know the, the hoax is you know what people say or whatever it, you know it's it's not it wasn't a real embodied felt experience so it's not going to carry over right but, you know so i think it's a big part of what makes these stories possible and it's mm-hmm. also what makes them uh possible uh, possible to happen at all you know is that the way memory can sort of smooth over and rewrite and um basically turn it into something that um was probably it wasn't originally right and so yeah that that demonic aspect of it where it's like you know the story now is most like most stories probably aren't anything like the original telling of it they've mm-hmm. been reshaped so many times but there's something essential about it that remains yeah i know because i listen to a lot of um podcasts and youtube shows about people explaining their ndes and exactly exactly what you're explaining it's like you're you're basically you're having to go on somebody's anecdotal evidence of what what they experienced but people love it it's like hugely popular um because i think people are craving like wow this person is very convincing and seems like they're they went through a thing (laughs) like what does that mean yeah very cool um, and I also uh, thinking about, you know, being magicians and having a magical practice, like we've sort of taken on the mantle to become our own guides and shamans and um, yeah. to kind of figure it out. Sometimes we, and I think that's why a lot of magicians wind up writing books, <laughs> to be honest, because they're wanting to share. Yeah, that's yeah. a, that reflex is, is, is strong too. A lot mm-hmm. of times it's like, I want, I want to share, yeah. you know, like the stuff I experienced, but uh yeah. You know, the fourth maxim, keep <laughs> right. silence. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it, I find, a, you know, the quiet satisfaction just working alone, you mm-hmm. know, because um, I have a partner who's, who doesn't do anything like this. You know, she's, as, as I loosely will say, just a muggle, you know, right. like, and we keep it, we keep it separate. And, you know, I just, yeah. I'll tell her, you know, it's just like every morning it's like, hey, I'm going to go do ritual and meditate see in a little bit you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a part of the routine but it's just something completely separate 
yeah. apart from her just needing to live around all my art and books and stuff. <laughs> it's like I told her, you know, like, a few days ago, I got a Zeus statue. He's going to be over yeah. there now. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. My <laughs> wealth alter and he's working on it. Uh, did you make a, or have you, or do you already have like a Jupiter box and all that fun stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm working. I, I drew on it here. You drew one. Yeah, my cash box is the four symbols there. Oh, I nice. The, I got his, his one, you mm-hmm. know, his, his special one. And then, yeah. Uh, just the regular one. Uh, I got this is a geomantic mm-hmm. uh, uh, for Acquisitio, which is Jupiter. So I figured geomantic, you know, it's yeah. earthly money. It's good for money. And there's this four goddesses one. Nice. That's what I figured to be good as well. But uh, on Thursday, I'm going to paint it. You know, obviously on Thursday. Get all that <laughs> yeah, <done>. yeah. <laughs> the like success that. stories sound too compelling. I'm just kind of like, I know. Really? What am I doing if I'm not? <laughs> doing wealth magic yeah if all this money i spend on books right. i gotta be doing you know if i'm doing nothing else why am i not doing wealth magic so I'm, yeah. I'm doing it i'm getting it on it gotta attract the money so you can buy those expensive magic books and out of print copies yeah because <laughs> yeah. yeah now i'm sad because uh i got i thought i'd be happy with hardcover like no and i collector's edition <laughs> they're so nice they're yeah. so great to hold oh i can't help it i love that jupiter energy that did this book impact your magical practice i i would say it hasn't no not mm-hmm. my practice it hasn't it, I, don't, I don't think it's yeah it hasn't really i it, it definitely has as a passive influence or something mm-hmm. definitely when i first read it as well when it just sort of helps loosen the normalcy filter you know yeah. and um giving these stories uh especially some more concrete ones with the evidence like that um, little fairy shoe uh, made of mouse skin that exists, you know, like chew on that, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who made, you know, like they said, it might have been a journeyman piece, you know, like uh, uh, to to demonstrate skill, but why was it in the middle of nowhere? Yeah. This, uh, sorry for the listening, you know, listeners, the story about this, um, in Ireland, because all the fairy stories seem to happen in Ireland, because that's where the legends are. Obviously. That's right. So obviously that's where they would experience them. But they just found, you know, off the beaten path, you know, this tiny, tiny little shoe, and, and it turned out to be. It looks like it was a. They finally worked. It was all stitching, you know. It turned out to be made of mouse skin, you know, and it exists. And I, I saw a picture of it in the book, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just like explain that, you know. And so it, that's, and and you can't, and that's mm-hmm. sort of the point. But um it's as concrete as these, you know, as crop circles. Yeah. And so for my practice, just having those stories and just being able to be like, those things ostensibly happened um, ostensibly. And so it was, it helps just um, accept some of the more, uh, accept that a demonic reality is, is possible. And so that helps with uh, mental states during, mm-hmm. during ritual, I would say definitely in the, um, in meditation yeah so uh, i would say it loosely has helped my practice but um as far as his conclusions mm-hmm. you know about how um i'm not sure you know like it i don't know if i agree mm-hmm. with everything he says but it's it isn't it, it's not really that important i don't think at the end of the day because yeah. um he what he gives it's a way of mapping uh, reality or at least it's an attempt to 
Mm-hmm. And so I think he has a lot of compelling arguments. And, um, but at the end of the day, the arguments themselves are unimportant, which is his, I think, the ultimate point. Yeah. And so what, what matters, I think, is how it, how it really feels. You know, mm-hmm. the, it's the importance of embodied experience, you know, and because ultimately all these, you know, all the events he gives in the book, you know, happen to one person most of the time. You know, right. like there's some just some loose you know, shared events, but it's just the highly, highly subjective experiences that you know that you know happen, and, and you you need to just sort of put it in a context of 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 yourself, you know, of mm-hmm. it happening to you, and like how does how does something happening to you actually you know like feel you know the reading a story about it you know versus like being there and seeing you know like whatever it was the freaking bright lights blinding you and the weird smell you know mm-hmm. and seeing you know and seeing a being come from a, sh- a ship and it doesn't matter how if that happens to you it doesn't matter you know how hard that normalcy filter is going to be grinding in to try to smooth that out of your memory right. it's, that's going to be a very it's it's a strong indelible mark you mm-hmm. know and then then you're going to share that story and it's going to propagate you know and that the propagation of these stories i think is just as much of the uh original events as the event itself right you know it's sort of partaking of both you know like demonic events are both you know real events and stories at the same time you know i think and that's how you accept them you know like it happened but it's also a story because Mm -hmm. i think that's ultimately where these narratives come from it's the the stories we all know yeah underneath the surface yeah, I like I like that conclusion and explanation. It's really good. Um, I do. I know it did make me laugh, though, because toward the end of the book, he was basically like, yeah, I'm telling you that, you know, to think all Apollonian is is a detriment. Right. You got to, like, accept the Dionysian th- way of thinking. Uh, but he's like, but I totally get that this me writing this book is very Apollonian and like putting structure around it. Right. So I yeah. did think that was funny. Yeah, it is. Oh my, no, it's just like, um, it reminds me of the phrase when the, or I think it was David Chaim Smith said, Mm. you know, it's just like, um, trying to understand non-duality is in itself duality. Mm -hmm. That's infuriating. Yep. That that statement's infuriating. And it's, yeah, you know, it's just like, ultimately I'm trying to tell you these deeply sensual, mysterious experiences with words you know the most yeah the least useful thing Mm -hmm. and but that's um an aspect that is why the stories are able to exist is their imprecise nature allows it to sort of you sort of fill in the gaps a bit and then it becomes a bit more personal and then a bit more believable at the same time and so that's that's what i think is really fascinating about all these stories that they they really do feel like something that could I I could I that I could be remembering yeah and I think that was the most compelling part about it and just made me accept that you know his premise that they're psychologically based events you know because I can I feel it yeah I feel like I've had especially like dreams they all feel like dreams I could have had Mm -hmm. very dreamlike nature to them well wow yeah thank you so much very articulate this is very enjoyable I appreciate this conversation so much 
I tried. I was very, yeah, very, very nervous. I rambled. <laughs> oh, no, you were great. <laughs> no, you were okay, great. Cool. Um, so not to totally deviate, but I tend to ask the question at the end of like sort of a motto that I say motto and I feel like I need to change that, but either like a motto or a mantra or some words of wisdom that you've been enjoying lately that you'd like to share. Yeah. Um, well, I'm just, I mean, the phrase I, I gave her, well, not phrase, but I think we've been saying it a lot, so it's less profound than I do <laughs> know, but it's like a try to lessen, you know, your Apollonian grip on your on your own personal microcosm, you know, the, the world, the subjective world you experience, you know, and, um, and how, and how it intersects with the macrocosm because we exist in the space right in between, you know, between macro and micro, we don't exist solely in the microcosm, you know, and in what we, we partake of both. And so stop, you know, let's, you know, let the stories kind of leak in, you know, and um, let two truths coexist. You know, I think that's, it's hard, but yeah. it's, you know, like, uh, don't, you know, it's it's the reflex for explanation. I think, I don't know how, uh, you know, especially as a society, we'll get, I think it's, it, but it's so useful. Yeah. So I think, you know, <laughs> there's time, there's a time and place, but, um, where's the, um, as far as words of wisdom specifically, um, as I said before, it's the words of wisdom I receive. And so I'm going to spread the gospel of meditation. That's it. You know, it's meditate, learn silence, mm. uh, know where you are, um, be oriented. You know, mm. it's a um, simple matter of, you know, in a cult fashion, you know, it's just the directional rituals, you know, it's, it's you, whether you do the LBRP, uh just understand you know north south east west up down you know um i think that's being uh knowing where the center of you is you know it's just mm-hmm. uh it's hard to explain if you don't do it regularly and stuff do the directionals you know um walkers six ways you know as um we like to I, I used to share a lot but um you know just um knowing where you are um be aligned to the directions mm-hmm. and just uh and uh, my last word was ghost raccoon. Because <laughs> it's just, that's just the phrase I use. It's, it's, I guess it's my reflexive mantra for it, you know, just sort of like, you know, in events, you know, it doesn't matter if things actually happen, especially, you know. Ghost raccoon. Yeah. Fade <laughs> <laughs> away there at the end. Yeah. Um, cool. And I like the, the thought around directions. Um, and you mentioned Aiden Walker in Six Ways, and he talks about the crossroads, and you're like, kind of blew yeah, my mind a yeah. little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I could think. I'm just because I'm like, because I'm like, what did I write this for? It's just like, <laughs> know your directions, because like I know that's important, but yeah, yeah, you know, if I'm telling someone to like, I'm trying to just think of the better context. You know, it's like to be aligned to the directions. You know, I mm-hmm. guess you know, it's a, if you're before with the east, you know, you see what's coming full towards you. You know, if the with the West, you know, it's what's receding behind you. Mm-hmm. It also, you know, is your, the East would be your active consciousness and the West is the unconscious. So just knowing, having it behind you and in front, being forward thinking with your consciousness, but being at the same time, knowing what's behind you. And then uh, the South, you know, with your peak and then the North with the, um, with the low, 
you yeah. know, it, it just, uh, it just in being in the the center of the flow and, um, existing that way has <laughs> been very beneficial as well. Well, wow. Yeah. Again, you're very articulate with how you explain these things. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of firing At off times. my brain cells. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, well, thank you so much. Is there a way we talked a little bit about how folks, if they want to reach out to you, how they can contact you. So how could they do that? Yeah. If you got any good um, speech therapist, public speaking <laughs> Uh, people, uh, I would love to hear from you. No, that's fine. Um, I, I'm just looking. I think I'm just King Rainbow Eight, mm-hmm. all one word on Discord. Uh, I've got a skull for a head in the picture, so it's probably it, I, it's someone else supply you. It'll be that yeah. picture. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. If you want to say something, that'd be cool. I don't know oh. what, but sure. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Ian, um, for sharing all your thoughts and wanting to talk about this book. And I'm so jazzed because I, you're probably one of the few people that I've mentioned this book to. And I'm like, but it's so good. And I love that you yeah. were willing to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was the discussion of the book, Demonic Reality by Patrick Harper with left-hand magical practitioner, Ian Shelley. Please see the show notes on how to find Ian on Discord and the links to the books mentioned in our discussion. To help support the show and be involved in its growth, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes as it helps immensely. New episodes of The Casual Temple will be released every Wednesday. To learn more, please visit casualtemple.com where you can listen to past episodes and learn about my energy healing and psychic reading offerings with Celestial Ring Guidance. Please be sure to share this episode with the people in your life who enjoy this content. Do check out the other episodes of the Casual Temple podcast on your preferred podcast app. There's a Casual Temple YouTube channel, so please like, share, and subscribe, and click the notification bell. And thank you so much for listening.